All right, let's stand and take our hymnals to 259. 259, we'll sing to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. We'll sing all the verses of the song. Stand with me and let's sing out. 259. Give me a little more volume on the on the mic here if you could. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done on the second. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done on the last Great things He hath taught us, great things He hath done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. And good evening. Welcome to church this evening. I see that you all survived the storm. Where I live up in Beacon Falls, it was a it is a war zone up there right now. It took me two hours to get home from work yesterday, and I had to drive over down power lines, around trees. At one point I had to drive through somebody's yard just to get home. It was pretty ugly. And I'm hoping they didn't get my license plate as I was driving through their yard. It wasn't just me. It was a bunch of people. But, uh, you know, that makes it okay if it's a bunch of people. So, But um, it was, uh, it was, it, it's pretty bad up there. A neighbor, neighbor across the street from us had two trees ripped up and, and uh, thrown just by the roots. Brother Mark, was your neighborhood that way? Okay, you're a little north of us. It, it, it went right through Beacon Falls there. And uh, in Oxford, and uh, Brother uh, Greer, he got hit really hard. Brother Jr., is that you're going to mention? Or yeah, 
Yeah, somehow around on my street and in my neighborhood, nobody has power, I think, except us. I don't know how that happened. We have power. And so I'm praising the Lord for that. Right. To God be the glory. Uh, I ran my air conditioner last night. Amen. Uh, important things in life. But uh, no, uh, it was neat. Yesterday we were walking around the neighborhood and meeting people we've never met. Invited several of them out to church. And God uh, can take uh, a nasty situation and make something positive out of it. I didn't see too much damage uh, to too many homes. Just a lot of down trees and power lines. But Brother Greer did suffer quite a bit of house damage. And uh, so um, they've got they've got their hands full figuring that out. Some down trees, and I believe it punctured a hole in his house and all kinds of things. So we'll pray for Brother Greer here in a bit when we have a prayer time. But praise the Lord, everybody safe. And I was not with my family when that happened. Um, wish I had been, but uh, I'm thankful everyone's safe. But anyway, welcome to church tonight. And we're excited to see what God uh, God's power will do, not through a tornado, but in his house with his word. Amen. So let's greet each other. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a minute. Let's sing that chorus together. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He hath done. Let's open with a word of prayer this evening. Brother Mike Yankowski, can you open us in prayer, please?
Amen. You may be seated. How many of you here are without power? I'm just curious. The Hollies. So people that live Seymour and up um, in that in that window there. So we got to be in prayer for them. Okay, any prayer request slips uh, have been filled out? Or if anybody needs one, if they hold up an empty hand, we'll get you one uh, here quickly. I know the Syrets are without power, but uh, Brother Mike is not here tonight because he's, uh, I believe, getting his family settled into another location to stay tonight. So the Syrets are out of power as well. So uh, that's why he's not here. But we've got, we've got uh, the backup in, Brother Jason here. So if you need a prayer request slip, you hold up an empty hand. Okay, anybody just have a prayer request they want to uh, let me know about? Anyone? Ms. Bernice? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, definitely. Brother JR? Okay. Pray for the Bedats with an unspoken, Brother JR with an unspoken. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah, we'll pray for it. It's on the list there. Very good. Okay, the men that are going to help me pray tonight, if you come on up to the platform. And then any other men that would like are welcome to come and kneel and help us lead the church in prayer. I encourage you to do that. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, begin our, our uh, prayer time. Let's go, to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are a gracious God, a loving God. And Lord, you're a God that knows all things. You're a God that exists in all realms of time. You're already in our tomorrows. You're, you're walking one step ahead. Lord, you know our, our successes and our failures. You're already there when we succeed and fail. And Lord, you, you know the end of our story. And Lord, uh, we can trust you that you, you are both loving us now and loving us in the future before we even arrive. And God, uh, I pray that um, you would help us as we walk, walk this path, we walk this life, that we would acknowledge you in all our ways, that we would trust you every step of the way. Lord, would we be a people that's humble, a people that does not sow seeds of corruption to the flesh, but rather to life eternal? And God, that we would honor you. We think of those that have uh, mentioned some prayer requests this evening. We think of Miss Bernice's daughter, Rachel, and her husband, Kevin. Lord, that you would work in their lives, in their hearts, in their home. And Lord, uh, you can take a mess and turn it into a miracle. Lord, you know those details. And so, God, we ask that you uh, intervene there and work there. Lord, uh, Brother Bidat mentioned uh, an unspoken. Would you... You know what that is. You know what that need is. And, Lord, I would guess that many folks here carry an unspoken. And, Lord, would you uh, help, help them with those heartaches, those trials, Lord, those struggles, whatever they be. Would you help them, specifically Brother Bedat, since he mentioned his. Lord, we think of Brother Greer, who's uh, experiencing some damage to his home. And, Lord, no doubt has a lot of um, work ahead of him with... Um, Insurance adjusters and all those things. We think of the many people who are struggling with um, no power today. Uh, Lord, uh, we live in a day and time where people become very reliant on that and very needy of that. And so uh, give our 
power line workers the uh, the strength they need as they work around the clock to restore power. Keep them safe while they're out there. I think of Brother Holly who works out doing that. Would you put your hand of protection around him uh, as he's out doing this? Um, keep him safe and give him the, the mental strength he needs as he works hard. Lord, and the many others that he represents. And uh, Lord, give us a good service here tonight. May uh, the word of God as it's preached and go forth, may it help. Uh, may it uh, explain. Lord, may it grow us. May it free us as we know the truth. May the truth set us free. May we allow that process to happen. Lord, make us more like you. At this time, we'll continue our prayer time. In Jesus' name. Father, we do, again, thank you for bringing us here this evening. Lord, it's good to see that the church house has not suffered any damage from the storm last night. Lord, we do see that uh, we're not exempt from that, though, with my brother Greer uh, having damage to his house. Lord, we hope it be repaired quickly, not be too much of an inconvenience. Lord, we, uh, we suffer things in this world as long as we're in this world. And, Lord, we know that you uh, are the all-powerful God that will see us through that. We have a hope, Lord, that other people don't. And, Lord, we just ask you to be with the pastor now as he goes upstairs and has a short message for the children up there. Lord, uh, may they be attentive and listen carefully, Lord, and uh, may your spirit be with them. And, Lord, with the looking at the salvation side of our prayer list tonight, we are asked to uh, pray for uh, a friend of, Eli- I don't know if it's a friend or a family of uh, Eliette, Elisette, uh, James Claudio. I don't know his family or, or a friend, but uh, where the problem is. Uh, other than we are asking for salvation, as we do for all. Uh, Lord, uh, whoever this fellow is, I'd ask you to uh, uh, bear witness to him, to uh, the, the word, to a family, to a neighbor, however, Lord, to get the message of salvation to him, come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Lord, we pray for Marie Yankowski. Uh, many families nam- named here. I know Josephine is their sister. And Lord, that uh, I know they're concerned as uh, Mike talks often in Sunday school about uh, family and, and uh, how family get-togethers are uh, unsafe members. Lord, I know it's deep in their heart that they all see the need for their salvation. Lord, uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will move in their lives. And Lord, uh, I Jen, with that, uh, Father Steve and uh, Sister Christine, Lord, the vedettes uh, and the fluids are very faithful, Lord, very open in their witness. Lord, we see uh, how that's come forth through their lives and uh, with their family here, Lord, that they should continue, uh, that the witness will be powerful, and Lord, they will come to know you as Savior. And Lord, and our government leaders, particularly for our president, President Trump, Lord, you are uh, at the heart of the king in your hands, Lord, and you determine uh, him, whichever way you want. We, Lord, uh, you set up the rulers of this world. Yes, we uh, have the prerogative of voting and, and, and uh, hoping and wishing that some member of one party or another is, is elected. Sometimes it goes our way, sometimes it doesn't. But, Lord, as the, the elected leader, it's, they're under God's control. Lord, as long as they live righteously and do the righteous things, Lord, we can be uh, 
we can pray for that. Lord, to turn their heart to, uh, uh, to see that God is in control of all things. Lord, and we pray that especially for our president, that he'll do the right thing. And, Lord, if he doesn't know you as Savior, uh, uh, Lord, that you would lead him that way. And, Lord, also uh, for Mayor Loretti of Shelton, Lord, all our local leaders are just as important as our national leaders. They're in, in charge of our finances, uh, what they do with our cities, our schools. Lord, uh, I ask you for the direction in their lives, Lord, especially for their souls, that they too may uh, know Jesus as Savior. Lord, guide them in their lives as they lead uh, these sometimes very large cities with many, many problems. And Lord, for servicemen and women, for uh, David Lavelli in the Army, who is uh, Rachel's brother, <coughs> Lord, uh, there's conflicts throughout all this world, although we might not see them. Uh, we have men and women stationed in various places that uh, we wouldn't think. Uh, Lord, places that we don't know what they're up to because of the mission they have. Lord, but uh, we see that uh, even here in home, Lord, they're called upon to do uh, duty and disaster relief. You see them in uh, Hawaii now with uh, volcanoes and, and all the disruptions going on there. Uh, Lord, I ask you to be with them as they serve, keep them safe. And, Lord, uh, I just put a hedge of protection around them as they are in these dangerous things, and, and dangerous things can come upon them at any time. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord God, you made us. As you have made us, we are imperfect creatures, created us out of the dust in this form called flesh. There are times when the flesh becomes frail, but we live in an age where, where medicine has made great strides. Doctors can do many things, but again, it all all in your hands, the skill of the doctors, and whether we heal or become impaired, or whether you call us home. I ask for those that are listed under the medical needs, especially those with, with cancer and extreme diseases that uh, these people are putting their faith in you. Jesus, that they know you as as their Savior. That they know that, or come to learn that death in this life is just a passing along to the life eternal. But tonight, a uh, few, few names stand out. First, uh, Maureen's cousin Joe, who's suffering with sepsis and kidney issues. And do pray for your mercy upon Joe. But as he ails, that uh, Jesus, you would touch him, relieve the pain, just make him comfortable. We do pray for his healing. But God, at the same time, we pray that your will is done. 
We pray that you comfort Maureen and the family. So I know Maureen's putting her tra- faith and trust in you. And for Maureen's, uh, say, uncle, who's uh, either going to return home or spend the rest of his time in, in a nursing home, it's a tough decision to have to make, especially with a loved one. Pray that the family, they'll give the family and the doctors wisdom to do what's right and best for Maureen's uncle. That if you can come back home, that would probably be ideal, but uh, they need some caregivers. But if it's your will that uh, needs more attention to what can be done at home. I just pray that uh, the transition to a nursing home on a long-term basis will be an easy decision if it needs to be made. Again, I ask you to give wisdom to the family and to the doctors and just pray that, Jesus, you're with Maureen's uncle. I'm sure there's not an easy time for him as well. Lift up Sue Del Bianco, who uh, yesterday afternoon, I believe it was 2 o'clock, was going in for abdominal surgery, a laparoscopic procedure. I was talking to her Sunday. She was apprehensive, a bit nervous, which is understandable. But now that the uh, procedure is over, I pray that... Uh, Jesus, you'll continue to comfort her. That Sue's keeping you on her mind. Do pray for the uh, whatever had to be removed from Sue uh, is not dangerous, life-threatening. God, we know that she's in your will, but uh, selfishly, we're not done with her yet. Thank you for Pat Blake. Um, and the healing of her eyes from, from the cataract surgery. Lord, I don't know of a woman, of another woman that comes into this church every Sunday, every Wednesday when she can make it. And no matter what's going on in her life, she, she just smiles and laughs because she knows, she knows where, where her life is being held and by whose hands. But I pray during this restoration period of her eyes that the cataract surgery was successful. <clears throat> Pat will see things in a whole new light, no pun intended. But again, just thank you for, for her spirit. As we're in, in the month of May and college year is about to uh, end, lift up Jolie Campbell. And her schooling, her college career at this time. Lord, I don't know what what her plans are for the summer, but uh, let her not lose the wisdom that you've given to her. I pray that uh, she's seeking your will for the direction that you would have her go in her life. To do that career path that you ordain. That he would make her successful. 
We also lift up uh, Betty Olson tonight, who's one of our shut-ins, and it's always good to see Betty here when she can make it. Again, she's another person who just just smiles and beams when she's here, and just remember looking out. I was a song leader, looking at Betty's face and just how she reacted. They knew that was from you. So even though she's at home and can't get out and move around as much as she used to or as much as she would probably like to, just pray, Jesus, that you're always with her and in her thoughts. This is, she's in ours, and we know she's praying for this church, but continue to bless her, keep her comfortable. Finally, we uh, don't forget those who are called to serve in other areas, countries, states of our union. Those who have answered your call to win the lost, no matter where. Tonight we lift up Les Zerby, our missionary to Alaska. Pray that you keep him focused on your mission Ask for your hedge of protection around Les and his family. Keep them safe. Keep them as a family first, as a missionary second. But they're both important roles. Pray for those that uh, you put in front of Brother Zerby. You empower him through your Holy Spirit and always... Always give him the words that that individual needs to hear. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life. Bless the Zerbies. If they have a need, please don't let them be shy to make it known to, to the churches. I do lift up our pastor tonight. The message that you prepared on his heart. Pray that you'll empower him through your Holy Spirit. And for those of us in attendance tonight, I pray that our spiritual ears and spiritual hearts are open to the message that we take home with us some piece of gold from the teaching tonight. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. During the prayer time, I, uh, it was arranged for me to go up to the little kids' class, the four- and five-year-olds' class, and spend some time with them. They've been working for a few weeks for this, so this is what they made me. And so, Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you all. They are the cutest group in the whole church, hands down. So that was that was neat. Okay, 669 in your hymnals. Let's stand and we'll sing the first and the third verse of Since the Savior Found Me. Let's sing it with some spirit tonight. Let's sing it like we mean it. 669. Since the Savior found me, pardoned all my sin, I have had the joy and living hope within 
Gone is all the shame and sorrow of the past. They're underneath the precious blood of Christ at last. Saved, 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 I'm happy on the way. Saved, 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 I love Him more each day. Saved, 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 I know He's mine each hour. He saves and keeps and sanctifies me by His power. Now, you can't sing that song with a frown on your face. you got to smile. you got to be happy. Jesus saved you. You're on your way to heaven. As bad as it is, it's, a whole, it's going to be a whole lot better in heaven. So let's uh, sing that third verse and let's put a smile on our face while we do it. Here we go. Since the Savior found me, I have perfect rest. Living in the realms of joy and happiness. Leaning on my Savior, looking on the way. When right away. Here we go. Save, save, save. I'm happy on the way. Save, save, save. I love Him more each day. Save, save, save. I know He's mine each hour. He saves and keeps and sanctifies me by His power. Amen. You can be seated. Boy, our missionary letter tonight is from a missionary family that is just uh, uh, really doing a great work. Uh, it is uh, the Shrivenoth family. How many of you remember or know the Shrivenoths? Remember when they came through here? I don't know how. Do you guys know how long ago that was? I wasn't here, so okay. But they're missionaries to Guyana, South America, and every time I read one of the letters, it's just filled with. Uh, an aggressive uh, church work there, so I, I have no doubt this is going to be good. It says, uh, Dear friends and co-investors in the church or in the city of the great king, I love God's church. However, I also know that God uses this church. Uh, before God uses this church, he must purify the vessels. God told Acts in 9.15 that he was a uh, chosen vessel. God told Paul in Acts 9.15 that he was a chosen vessel. And he went on to purify Paul, and uh, in the past 12 months, I counted nine people in our church who thought they were saved. They realized later that they were not saved and made sure of their salvation. All of them are either young adults or teenagers. Uh, one of those young adults was raised in our church from birth. This person is now in another country studying in a Bible college. Another young adult is being greatly used of God in our church. Another is planting, to, uh, is planning to study for the ministry, and another has been called to be a missionary. In the process of being purified, all these young people are facing or will face some tough times. This week, some of us adult uh, men, uh, with some younger men, joined in an all-night men's prayer meeting. What a wonderful time to meet in prayer together with a bunch of praying men. Each week we pray on Tuesday, but once a year we pray all night. We sing and fellowship a bit. I teach them something about prayer from the Bible. We praise, we give prayer requests, and break up into groups to pray. At times through the night, we pray together as one group. We pray about certain aspects of our church, our missionaries, and other ministries of the church. We pray for more laborers. We also pray to, uh, for our world, persecuted Christians, and for our local and national leaders. Twice in the night, we break for coffee and light refreshments. This is a nice part of the, uh, this is a nice part of the whole thing. I believe this is to be the best all-night men's prayer meeting we have had. Over 23 years, God helped us to start Victory uh, over 20, 23 years ago, rather, 
God helped us to start Victory Baptist Church, which I still pastor. Uh, out of this church, we have trained men to start three other churches. Recently, I got to preach in a church that was started by one of the churches that we helped to start. So now we are seeing our babies growing up and having babies of their own. As far as church planning is concerned, I am thrilled. The name of this new church is Cornerstone Baptist Church. It is pastored by a man who was saved in Victory Baptist Church and was a former Hindu. His church is in a remote jungle village of the Amazon rainforest. I also got to preach recently in another one of the churches we helped to start. It was their third anniversary. The, na- the church is named Harbor Light Baptist Church because it is located in a place that is a port for many ships. Uh, they are doing well, reaching the lost, running buses, and supporting missions. I was happy to see the work go forward, preaching at Harbor Light uh, uh, Baptist. Here is what happened in March through April. There were 95 salvations and 23 baptisms. People are still being saved because someone is willing to go. Please pray for more goers, for laborers, for more people who will be committed to the task of soul winning and church planting. Families here are devastated by drunkenness, drugs, and immorality. Very few people in the younger generation are getting married. Most just live together without being married. This is such a blight on the home. It is very hard to reach this generation for Christ, but God is still working. We want to be a part of that work. Uh, Thank you for joining us by your financial gifts and prayer. May our labor together reap much fruit uh, 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 from the harvest. In Christ Jesus, the anchor holds the Shrivenoff family. So I appreciate that from them. Men, you can come forward as we prepare to collect our tithes, offerings, and faith promise givings. And we'll pray for them, uh, this family, as they uh, serve the Lord there in Guyana. Let's pray. Lord, would you please look over. And watch over this family as they serve you there in Guyana. Keep them safe. Help them as they continue to press forward with reaching uh, the, the folks in their communities and planting other churches. And, Lord, fulfill any needs they have. Lord, I pray that our giving tonight would be used to further the gospel both here and abroad. Help us to be faithful in uh, those aspects. In Jesus' name, amen.
pray one more hymnal tonight. You can be seated for this one. 261, 261, near to the heart of God. Near to the heart of God. We'll sing the first and the last. A place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait to the heart of God. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. All right, Romans chapter 12 tonight. We'll begin in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to finish up the book of Romans. Lord willing, this evening, and we'll uh, continue to move through uh, the uh, shorter epistles of Paul, beginning next next week with First Corinthians. But we're in the book of Romans tonight. I wanted to give everyone a reminder about the spaghetti luncheon coming up this Sunday after the morning service, and so come and uh, be a part of that and help send our kids to camp, and uh, they'll be uh, they'll be glad you did. And so if you can uh, do your part. To be a part. All right, Romans 12, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, and we'll look at the first six verses to begin. And then we'll be getting back into Romans 12 in the latter half of the message, but uh, we'll start here. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And we're going to finish up our study in Romans, unity through understanding. Let's pray. Lord, tonight, would you speak to each one of us in some way, help us. Uh, uh, mold and shape us to be the people you want us to be. Help us to be open to that and uh, never uh, never the, the type of folks that settle. But Lord, may we press on the upward way and grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. You can be seated. Brother J.R., could you grab me a bottle of water? That'd be great. All right, so uh, in Romans, the concept here is that this is a church mixed of Jews and Gentiles, and uh, there is a, a clash of cultural background. Clash of cultural backgrounds. The Romans are purists. They want the Torah to be upheld, the Old Testament law to be followed. They expect that to be the norm. And then you have uh, the Gentiles who come in and say, we don't care about your Torah. We, we care about Jesus. And you can keep the Torah. We want Jesus. And so, honestly, the Gentiles were probably out of balance by not being respectful enough of the Old Testament laws. And then the Jews were out of balance because they just thought that, hey, that is the way. That is it. And you guys are putting too much stock into, thank you, into uh, Jesus there. So uh, that's kind of where we are, where we've left it. And so Paul, instead of jumping all over the Jews and reprimanding them for not being accepting of the Gentiles and, and then turning around and jumping on the Gentiles, he takes a different approach. He says, let me teach you all. What Jesus provides in salvation and let me include to you what the law, uh, what role the law plays into that. And so he begins the book by uh, reprimanding all of them, not because of Jew or Gentile, but because of unrighteousness. He says God is righteous and none of us are. None of us are. Some of you might uh, think that you're more righteous than the other, but the truth is those of you that are acting righteous, you're being Self-righteous. You're being hypocrites. Romans 1, he takes the Gentile culture apart. And the Gentile culture is taking place today, is it not? You look at Romans 1, and you see the degradation, the, the, the downward slide into sin. That's still taking place today. And then he gets to Romans 2, and he says, Hey, Jews, not so fast. Don't you judge the Gentiles. Yes, you have the Torah, and you've never denied God being God. But while you have preached the truth, you have secretly lived in opposition to the truth. You are guilty of breaking the law. And so he then, uh, after he takes the time, uh, point number one there, to uh, the confirmation of God's righteousness, to confirm to all of them the righteousness of God, he then moves on, number two, to talk about the creation of a new humanity. So chapters five through eight, we find some of the richest chapters in the Bible because it talks about the process of regeneration, the process of being born anew into God's family. Redemption, um, justification, propitiation, we defined those words. So chapters one through chapters eight, what do they provide? They provide one long, fluid thought. One long, fluid thought. But then you get into chapter 9, and Paul is going to pivot a little bit. You see, chapters 1 through 8 cover a fluid thought, but they leave a lot of questions, questions unanswered about God's promises, in particular as they pertain to the Israelites. Now, as we've studied up through the book, we've gotten through chapter 8, and what has been the central message of Paul? Hey, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you follow Jesus, you're one and the same. Jesus will love you and accept you, and you will, you are all part of the family of Abraham. And so if you've read through chapter 8 and you know your Old Testament, and you're thinking, well, what about all those promises that were made to the Jewish people specifically, specifically to the Jewish people? What about them? You see, uh, many Jews thought that just because that they were 
Jews by their nationality, that that meant they were okay, they were in. And Paul's getting ready to, uh, to, to show them that, no, that isn't true. So Paul in nine chapters 9, 10, and 11, which is the third section of the book, uh, we find number three there, if you're taking notes, the completion of God's promise to Israel. The completion of God's promises. We'll turn over to chapter 9 and verse number 6. By the way, he opens chapter 9 in this section talking about how heartbroken he is that his fellow Israelites are not following God's way of salvation. They're not following Jesus and how he would give his life up if it meant that all Israelites could could be on that course. But follow his thought here. Letter A, notice Israel in the past. He's going to draw on the past to talk about the present and the future here, but let's, and so chapter nine is about Israel's past. Look at verse number six of chapter nine. It says, they're not as though the word of God hath taken none effect for they are not all, uh, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. What in the world does that mean? They are not all Israel that are not of Israel. I'm explain that in a minute. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children, but in Isaac, Shall thy seed uh, be called? So what he's saying here is that being eth- being an ethnic ethnic Israelite does not equal a covenant member. Just because you are an ethnic Israelite, that does not mean that you are a covenant member or a member of the promise given to Abraham. And from this point on in the chapter, he's going to prove that. Look at verse. Um, Look at verse number eight. It says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise uh, uh, are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So uh, Abraham had two children. Who were they? Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac. Had the promise continued through him, Ishmael did not. So we see here Isaac over Ishmael, okay? Uh, Look down with me at verse number uh, 13. It says there, in in the verses prior to this, uh, I talk about it a little bit more in depth, but we'll, we'll get to 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, Esau drew God's hatred on him, okay? And you read on down, you understand the context of this. It's not that God hated Esau as a person. There was a line of promise that was going to be followed under this covenant. And it stuck with Isaac over Ishmael because Isaac was born inside of what God had promised. It stuck with uh, Jacob, not Esau, because of Jacob's uh, uh, chosen behavior and Esau's chosen behavior to go off the other way. And so here you see Isaac, yes. Ishmael, no. Jacob, yes. Esau, no. And this continues on to complete the thought that he's trying to get at is that uh, uh, Jesus uh, is uh, going to continue this line of promise through Isaac, through Jacob, and all the way down through the Jesus followers. And so Jesus followers continue on with this line of promise. The Jesus rejectors, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you land over here under this pile of people uh, that Esau and that Ishmael represent. You are not part of the line of promise because you have not chosen Christ. 
So in the past, he points to them and says, just because you are an ethnic Israelite, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. So you say, Pastor, what application does that have to me? Well, the good news is you don't have to be a Jew to be in the family of God. You just have to put your faith in Jesus. Amen? On top of all of this, uh, we also get some stories about the golden calf. Uh, in the wilderness and Pharaoh's hardened heart. Now, please don't miss this. The point God is trying to make here is that God can use the stubbornness and sin of others to accomplish His perfect will. Now, this is a, a great point to ponder for everybody here. How many of you here have ever made a, a large sin mistake and you thought, I have just blown my future with that sin? Anybody here? Raise your hand. My hand's up. You go, I blew it. Whether it was sin or just really poor judgment. Okay, God can take Pharaoh's heart of sin and use that to better the Israelites. God could use the golden calf in the wilderness as a, as a teaching point for his people. Here's the beauty of this. An all-righteous, ever-perfect God can use your sin to better you, and he can use someone else's sin against you to better you. Do you think it was God's will for Joseph to be sold into slavery? Do you think God wanted Joseph's brothers hating him, throwing him in a pit, and selling him? I don't think that those line up with biblical values and principles. But do you see how God took the sin of Joseph's brothers and use that to work a work of righteousness in Joseph's life? You see, when other people sin against us, God can still use that to better us and grow us. And even when we blow it, if we come crawling back to God, yes, there will be consequences. Yes, there will be pain. Yes, there will be hurt. But God can take our evil, He can take our mistakes, and He can use them to better us in the end by one, growing us, and two, providing other opportunities in front of us. So, uh, what did Pharaoh prove in this chapter? What did uh, uh, the, the golden calf prove? It proved that there is no sin greater than God. There is no sin greater than God. And there is no sin that can ruin God's plan. God is greater than any of the consequences that of sin that we throw in front of him. Letter B, notice Israel in the present. Israel in the present. And if you're smart enough, you can probably figure out letter C. <laughs> All right. So here we, not, and by the way, this isn't Israel in the present now. This is Israel in the present at the writing of this book. That's what chapter 10 is about. Look at me at verse number 1 of chapter 10. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, there are, there are Christians, there are Baptist Christians that argue that if someone is an Israelite, that means they're automatically saved. I've met them. And I take them to chapter 10, verse 1, and say, Then why was Paul praying for the Israelites to be saved? Verse 2, For I bear, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, 
have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So let's pause there for a moment. And a couple of things I want to point out here to Israel in the present day of this writing is that the Israelites were strong in zeal. Strong in zeal. What is zeal? Zeal is being fired up. It's being energetic. It's a go get them attitude. It's a I'm going to get it done. Get out of my way. It, what's what's the old phrase? Lead, follow, or get out of the way, right? And uh, every church needs some people like this. That man, they'll they'll they may knock someone over in the process of getting the job done, but get out of their way because they're going to get the job done. And the Israelites were filled with zeal. What were they zealous about? Well, I wrote two things down. They were zealous about. They were zealous about God's law. And they were zealous about their own righteousness. They were zealous about God's law, and they were zealous about their own righteousness. Now, notice how these two play together, hand in glove. They were zealous about the Torah. And here they, here you have a group of people in the church at Rome, and, and they represent a larger sect of the Jewish community, but what are they looking at? They're looking up at Thou shalt not steal. Okay, I'm keeping that one. Thou shalt not kill. Okay, I'm keeping that one. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, I'm keeping that one. And here they have these laws in front of them and they think, uh, uh, I'm zealous about the law of God. I'm zealous about keeping the law of God. And so not only were they zealous about the law of God, they were also zealous about their righteousness and their perceived ability to keep the law of God. But that zeal lacked knowledge. Now, zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Dangerous. Religions are started on zeal with little knowledge. However, knowledge without zeal is useless. I have known so many people in my years in church. You want to sit down at Dunkin' Donuts with a cup of coffee and talk to the Bible about them? They will talk you, they will talk you into the ground. Boy, they can quote Bible, they can, they can exergete the scriptures, they can wax elegant, but when was the last time they got someone in the baptistry pool? When was the last time they led someone to the Lord? Knowledge without zeal is totally useless. If all that knowledge is doing is filling your head, then you fit 1 Corinthians 13 that says knowledge puffeth up. Puffeth up. Knowledge ought to drive us somewhere. But here you have these people. They're zealous, but they lack knowledge. Now look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. We find that they're all zeal, but little knowledge. For Christ uh, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. What knowledge did they lack? They lacked the knowledge of understanding that the Torah had an end, and the end was Jesus. Jesus came to complete the law. Now, you're focusing on the Torah. They needed to be in this group over here that's focusing on the cross. Focusing on the cross. And Paul is saying about the Israelites, there are a whole bunch of you that are still focused on the law that God gave Moses. And you need to take your eyes off the law. And you need to put it on the one who completed the law. In the person of Jesus. Israel in the present. That was their present state. That's what chapter 10 is all about. And so they were weak in the knowledge of the righteousness of Christ. And I wrote this down as well. They were weak in the knowledge of uh, their need to submit. Look back up with me at verse number three. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Look here. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, 
This is the context. They're not submitting themselves to the person of Jesus and, and, and his ability to save them. But can I just make an application here to Christians? Do you know why you are struggling in your Christian life? Because you are so stubborn, you won't submit to God and his word. It's my way, my way, my way, my way, my way. And uh, you can have it your way, but Jesus isn't Burger King. you got to do it his way. When you do it his way, you find a life of peace and joy. Israel, letter C, Israel in the future. Israel in the future. Now, really quick, because I've got to get into um, uh, the, the, the uh, point four here, because that's where the heavy application for tonight is. But um, chapter 11, um, the best way to describe chapter 11 is it talks about Israel's future and God's promises that he made in the Old Testament and that the fact that they will be kept in the New Testament. But he, he starts this out by talking about an olive tree. The olive tree has a lot of symbolism in it, but here you have this giant olive tree and the, the, the roots of the tree are the Jewish people. And you have, uh, the, the chapter talks about a section of the roots being cut away. These are the Jews that will not believe in Jesus. And over on the other side of the tree, you've got branches that are being grafted into the roots. Those are the Gentiles. They're being grafted into the, into the body of Christ, and the Jews are being cut away. Now, how does this work? Well, uh, the Bible talks about how that, well, let, let me just, let's just look at it together. Look at chapter 11, verse number 23. It says there, and they said, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be graft, graft in, for God is able to graft them in. Again, speaking of the Gentiles, for if thou were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good, a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive trees? This is talking about bringing the Israelites back into their original tree. For I would not, verse 25, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of the mystery, this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Now, Paul does not go into any explanation of how or when they would be grafted back in, but I'm going to tell you when that's going to happen. All right? Because we've got the rest of the Bible to look at. One day, Jesus is going to come in the clouds and the trumpet's going to blow. And those of us which are saved in Christ, part of this olive tree, we're going to be called away into heaven. There's going to be 144,000 Jews who are broken off the tree, who at that moment are going to put their faith in Jesus. They're going to be immediately grafted back in. They're going to become the preachers of the world. And they're going to understand we were wrong about Jesus. He is uh, the Messiah. And he did come all those years ago. And we did kill him. And they're going to go to every corner of the, of the globe. And they're going to preach the gospel. There's going to be this massive revival that breaks out all over the globe during the first three and a half years of the Antichrist. Every single corner of the globe will hear it. And that is how they will be grafted back in. On top of that, uh, seven years later, Jesus will come up and he'll set up 
rule and reign in Jerusalem. And the uh, Israelites and those grafted in will rule and reign with him from Jerusalem. So there's where we find the completion of God's promises to Israel. Notice number four and lastly, the culmination of truth in the church. The culmination of truth in the church. Now, we talked about how that the reason why they couldn't get along was because they just didn't have uh, they didn't have a foundation of truth. And so Paul has taken all this time to teach them uh, who they are, why the difference is, where they're both wrong and the truth they both need to come to. And so he finishes chapter 11 explaining to the church what uh, how God's going to complete the promises there. And chapters 12 through the end of the book are all talking about how now that you have this base of truth and understanding, you need to move forward. Walk in truth now. Walk in truth. Do you have a relational struggle right now at some point in your life? Don't raise your answer, rhetorical question. But is there some sort of relational struggle somewhere in your life? If there is, and you're part of the problem, it's because you're not walking in truth. Because the Bible tells us that ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, chapters 12 through 15 are going to lay out for us, now that you all know the truth, You need to walk in it. And when you walk in it, beautiful things are going to happen inside your church. You all are going to come together and you're going to see, you're going to see revival break out. Let me give you a three, an A, B, and a C here and we'll be done. Letter A, notice, truth brings about purity. Truth, and I'm talking about walking in truth. Truth brings about purity. That takes us back to chapter 12 and verse 1. Look here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. When I pause, I want you to read the next word out loud, okay? Everybody look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, acceptable unto God. You know what holy is? It's pure. It's a pure heart. You wouldn't look at something that's dripped in sewage and say, oh, well, that's... That's sacred. You, know, you dip your heart in sin and sinful behavior. That's not holy. That's filthy. That's the antithesis or the opposite of holy. What does truth... Now again, Paul finishes this long explanation of how you become a new creature. How he's going to complete his promises to the Jews. In the very next section of his book, he opens it up and says, Now that you understand all that, be holy. Be holy. But this idea of purity goes beyond just being holy. Look at verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, look here, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we see that we're to be holy in verse 1. Verse 3, we see that we're to be humble. You see that there? You're not to think of yourself more than you ought to think. Hey, Jews, why are you fighting with the Gentiles? You're fighting with the Gentiles because you think that you're a bigger deal than these folks because of your 
Oh, because of your heritage. Hey, Gentiles, why do you have animosity toward the Jews? You're not all that you're cracking yourself up to be. Hey, you all be humble. Stop thinking of yourself more than you ought to think and start getting along. I can tell you right now that most relationships struggle, whether that's in the church, out of the church, at work, wherever they be. Most relationships struggle because pride. What does the Bible tell us? Only by pride cometh contention. By pride cometh contention. And Paul is telling them here, if you want to have a unified church, it begins by understanding the truth, but it also is built on purity and a purity of holiness and a purity of humility. Look at verse 9. Look down at verse number 9. It says, let love be without dissimulation or without hatred. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So how else do we, do we find that purity? Well, we find that purity inside of a pure love toward the brethren. Do you love the brethren? Or are you too worried about yourself? Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without hatred. Part of loving someone is that you, you're there for them when they're going through a difficult time. Part of loving someone is that when they're not so nice to you, you still love them back. I continue. Look at verse 17. It says, recompense to no man evil for evil. That's a tough one, isn't it? Brother J.R., Brother Mark walked up to you after church and just punched you right in the chops out of anger. (laughs) After you got past the shock of it. You turn around and walk away. You wouldn't have 20 years ago. Because the natural reaction is to return evil for evil. Don't hit Brother J.R. after church, Brother Mark. Appreciate that. You're smarter than that. Chapter 12, verse 17 is just talking about being honest. Being honest. You're going to... You're going to provide there, it says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. You're not going to pay back evil with evil. You know what? In the church, I've seen so many business dealings between Christians go sideways. I've seen it happen so many times. I don't like doing business with Christians. I just don't. Because Christians sometimes are are worse than unsaved people. I'm just being honest with you. I've seen, I've been taken advantage of by Christians in business dealings. And uh, people that aren't Christians sometimes seem to be more honest. And I just have to tell you that if you're going to do business with Christians, be careful. And if they don't act right, don't you return an evil for an evil. You do what's right for right's sake. What does truth do? It brings about purity. Is your heart pure, Christian? Because if it is, that's a sign you're walking in the truth. If it isn't, that's a sign that you've gotten away from the truth. Letter B, truth brings about performance. Truth brings about performance. Look back at chapter 12, verse number 4. It's there, it says, therefore, as we have many members in one body, and all members are not, uh, have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. And every one member, one of another, having then gifts differing according to the graces given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, 
or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. What's this talking about? Okay, we're going to be pure toward each other. We're going to be pure toward our God. And after that, we're going to do our part. Christian, are you involved in, in the service of the Lord? Do you know how you fit in the body of Christ? I, I'm convinced that many Christians think that they are the church's backside. Because all they do is put their backside in a pew three times a week. You're not called to just sit and stink. You're called to serve. All of us. We all have a role. We all have a role. You know, a lot of people will pick a church based on the services that church provides. They'll walk in church and say, ah, nobody's doing anything here. Well, maybe they need you to join and do something. Right? Maybe they need you to get involved. Several of you lately have come up uh, to me or one of the assistant pastors and said, Pastor, I want to help clean the church. Pastor, I want to help cut the lawn. That's how it gets done. Pastor, I want to work a bus route. Listen, those kids from Bridgeport are not going to get to church here if someone's not willing to give up their time and go do it. Pastor, I I want to uh, usher. Listen, the offering plates don't pass themselves. We all have to know what our role is, and once we know it, we work together. And what I love about our church is how diverse we are in, in wealth and ethnicity in so many ways, and, and, and that's how it works. We're going to work together as one body. You know, if I'm uh, working with a hammer and I'm tapping in a nail, and I come down hard and I smash my thumbnail, my thumbnail's not the only thing that hurts. The rest of my body hurts with it. The rest of my body runs the aid to help it because we're, we're, we're all one body heading in the direction of helping that hurting part. And so we're to perform. What does this culmination, this understanding of chapters 1 through 11 bring us to? Well, it ought to bring us to a point of purity. It ought to bring us to a point of performance. Look at chapter 13 and verse number 1. This is not just a performance of everybody doing whatever they want. This is a performance that is submissive to authority. It says there, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I could read down through verse 7. That was the intention, but I'm running out of time here. Um, let me just make one comment, and I want to clarify something from Sunday night, because we were here Sunday night. Um, without authority, there is no structure. Without structure, there's chaos. So you need someone to be in charge. You need chiefs and Indians. You need, you, need, uh, you need a boss and employees. You need a leader of the home and followers in the home. You need a pastor of the church, and you need structured underneath the pastor of the church. And in a church situation, the pastor is to be the, the chief servant, right? So that's the structure here, but still a pastor that, that leads the charge. And this church does a great job of following its pastor. Thank you for that. Let me make one clarifying comment. Uh, Sunday, I, I made the comment that uh, we need to be subject to our, our authorities, even our presidents, when we disagree with them. I, I'm not saying that you can't disagree, and I'm not saying that you can't voice your disagreement. The point I was trying to make Sunday night is be respectful in your, disagree, in your voicing of your disagreement. Okay, wanted to make sure I got that clarified. Letter C, lastly, notice, truth brings peace. Truth brings peace. That's what chapters 14 and 15 talk about, is peace. Now, again, the Jews had three things they were trying to shove on the Gentiles. Dietary laws, 
eating meat, right? Uh, sacrifice or offered up to idols. Uh, it was the Sabbath and it was circumcision. And here, what uh, the point Paul's trying to drive home is, listen, you're not going to come to an agreement on everything, but there ought to be a sense of grace and peace amongst you. I guarantee you, there aren't two people in this room that see eyeball to eyeball on every single detail of right and wrong. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on modesty. There's what... 30 women in here, maybe maybe 20 women in here. There's not a single two of you in the room that agree on what modesty is. Not two of you. Not down to every letter of the law. There are some areas of standards that we're not all going to agree on, and that's okay. You don't have to hold my standards, and I don't have to hold your standards. But where you draw the line different than me, and I draw the line different than you, there's got to be grace there. Now, Standards are different than convictions. Conviction is what we know to be right and wrong. Standard is that space we put between right and wrong and a barrier of protection. And so you draw a standard up. You're saying, this is here to keep me away from sin. I may put my standard way over there. You may have yours over here. There needs to be grace between us. Look at chapter 14 with me. Look at um, uh, verse number 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful uh, disputations or doubtful thoughts. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. What's Paul saying here? Don't nitpick each other. Don't nitpick each other. He goes on in the chapter to talk about don't instigate either. Okay? Um, don't go about doing things that you know are going to irritate someone else who feels that what you're doing is strong. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is a very mature outlook on the Christian life, by the way. A lot of Christians struggle with this. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his uh, good edification. That's the end game, edification. For even Christ Please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolations grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's saying here is there needs to be peace, and truth brings Peace. There ought to be that grace there. Look, um, uh, let's not get into squabbles and arguments over over silly particulars. I have ran into people that want to bicker and argue over things that just don't really matter. And I got to tell you, that's not the mind of Christ. That's not the mind of Romans 14 and 15. You don't have to agree with everything I say up here, and I don't have to agree with everything you believe. But if it's not a major doctrine of the Bible, we can love each other. We can love each other. There can be a spirit of peace there. And so truth brings peace. I believe that the conclusion of the story with the Romans are that they read the letter and they got along. They heeded the counsel. And I hope that in your home there will be more unity as you understand the Scriptures together. As you both triangulate yourselves toward Christ... The two of you will come closer together. As a family, you'll come closer together. And as a church, as we're all walking with the Lord, we'll be brought closer together. Let's have our heads bowed nice closed. Lord, thank you for tonight.
Thank you for the study in Romans. I pray that it will bring us closer to you. May we walk in truth. And may that truth bring about purity in our hearts. May that truth bring about um, performance where we do our part here in the church house. And may that truth bring about a peace. May we get along with each other. May we uh, not nitpick each other. But may we have the mind of Christ in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet to be dismissed. Thank you for being here this evening. And uh, I hope you uh, have a great rest of your week. Life can beat down on you a little bit. Keep Jesus in the forefront of your mind and heart. And let's go forth and do what's right and be a shining light to a dark world. Amen? Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother John Sanchez, can you close us in prayer tonight? Amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed. How cool your pen is.